began to preach. And I'll tell you, the Holy Ghost began to fall. Hallelujah. And there were people who came running to give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Naked Pentecostalism with your host, Isaac Coverstone. Today I wanted to do a little different topic. Normally we focus on Pentecostalism. Today I just want to do a more broad spectrum analysis of why I'm not a generic Christian, uh, a Baptist, Episcopalian, Lutheran, any, any of those divisions. We can certainly make a case that Pentecostalism by itself is an inaccurate doctrine just within the context of the Bible and Christianity as a whole. We can say we can conclusively demonstrate that Pentecostalism is a recent phenomenon based on misinterpretation of uh, key scriptures and, and, and certain regions of scripture. But I think it's also important to say that we there, there's good reasons for me, at least. You might disagree, and that's certainly your prerogative. You might disagree that all of Christianity is false. For myself personally, I just wanted to provide some uh, examples of, of the kind of reasoning that I think shows that there's good reason to, um, to discount the majority of the Bible, if not all of it. And by extension, uh, also discounting Christianity. So I have frequent discussions with theists from all different stripes. Uh, I have debates on Reddit, on, on Facebook, on YouTube comments, on Instagram comments. I'll pretty much go anywhere and talk to anyone. And some people have accused me of being a troll, but really I just want to hone my arguments and say, is there any really credible uh, apologetics that would uh, that would prove me wrong? And so far, there's a handful of arguments that are really difficult to counter from the Christian side. So I just want to share those and uh, provide a little bit of context for where my mentality is. So one of the most effective arguments that I've that I've been able to articulate, and it's not new, I certainly didn't come up with it, but it's this concept that the entire Bible is focused on the Middle East. It's, it's originating in this, with this one tribe of people, and there's this 400-year gap between Old Testament and New Testament, and many people have argued that really the New Testament has nothing to do with the Old Testament. They're, they're separate clusters of writing completely. Um, and I think there's some valid points in that case. But really, they're both still focused on these same groups of people. And the argument is, what happens if you were born in Australia in 2000 BC? Well, you were just completely screwed. You had no chance of hearing this message that was really just written down or passed down with oral traditions between uh, members of these large families. And there was, no, there was no way of spreading it because they didn't even bother translating it into new languages until many centuries later. So unless you were a native speaker of, um, 
of Hebrew, you're just you just you're out of luck. And even if you spoke Hebrew, you had to be in that region. You know, you had to be nearby. So for the first three, four thousand years that the Old Testament is being written, there was just no chance. So you were in the Americas somewhere, in South America, North America. You were someone who lived in Southern Africa. You lived in the Pacific Islands or Australia, New Zealand. You were just, you were just completely ignorant of this. And even in the New Testament, we're going into, you know, AD 1000, the canon's been established. Uh, there's multiple canons, but that's a side note. But people are printing new Bibles, or they're copying them to some extent, um, and, and retranslating them into other languages, but there's still such a limited uh, logistics to get that out across the world. And so the argument really focuses on if there's a omniscient being that sees the entire planet, sees every human being on the planet, why make no effort to reach everyone on that planet? Why only make an effort to reach people in the Middle East? Since all these other cultures on all the different continents, they have completely different ideas on what God is. So clearly, either there's one God that presented himself in different forms to confuse people, I don't know, didn't see the future that eventually we're all going to meet up and compare these stories. Uh, that's, that's really the crux of the argument is if there was one omniscient being that could view everyone on the planet at the same time, why would you not try to communicate in the same way, the same message across the entire planet at the same time? Now, there's also the argument of the timeline involved. You know, human beings have walked this planet for 100,000 years at the bare minimum. And if you deny that, then you're just ignorant of biology and, and the history of our species. So there's nothing I can do for you. But certainly, we've only had the uh, Jewish Old Testament for for 6,000 years at, at the most. And so, we have the Hindus have been around longer than that. The Zoroastrians have been around longer than the Old Testament. There are religions older than the Bible, and yet somehow it's supposed to be the first and, and the last and, you know, the final word and everything. And so people that make these statements, and very often it's Pentecostals that, that make this kind of statement of that the Bible is the only true religion, and it was the first religion ever formed, and blah, blah, blah. It's completely ignorant of both history, biology, anthropology. You're just ignoring huge chunks of what we understand about the world. And so it's just... It's a bit silly, but so that's that's essentially what it boils down to is um, an omniscient being that theoretically, again, the argument is made according to people that understand the Bible, loves everyone on the planet, that desires every human being to be saved, somehow did not bother to communicate the message, 
in such a way that, you know, people didn't live and die in complete ignorance for millennia. And so it's like the Christian missionaries didn't reach Australia until the 20th century. And yet somehow there's this, there's this concept that that's the only way they can be saved is if they hear about Jesus. Well, guess what? You know, millions of people born and died and lived their lives without ever hearing this message. So there's two different clusters of Christians that form over this controversy. One says, well, people are just saved by what they know and what they are aware of. And other people say, well, that's complete heresy, you know, either they know or they die. And, and so the people that say you have to know the, the, uh, the story of Jesus to be saved, well, your God kind of sucks. To the people that say you're, ba you're saved based on the knowledge you have, and if you don't know anything about the Bible, then you're saved automatically because you just didn't have the chance. You didn't have any opportunity. I think that's, that's the more logical of those two approaches. But then the question has to be, if people are saved just based on what they know, and if they're ignorant, they're saved based on their actions and their, whether they're a good person or not, then we should just burn all the Bibles and, and stop all the missionary work because it's a complete and total waste of time. Because we get the same result. And you're telling people about it just puts them in greater danger because now they have an opportunity to reject it. And then then we have to have the conversation of whether eternal hell exists. And, and again, Christians are divided on that topic as well, which is just terribly ironic that we have one book that's supposedly perfect and the the inspired by a perfect deity with all wisdom and yet somehow we have all these different camps divided at each crucial issue in completely different ways you know there's there's christians that don't believe in hell but they still believe we should spread the gospel there's some christians that you know they teach the light gospel and we it makes me it makes me tired it makes me really frustrated um but Let's get back to the main point, and that is, I have not heard a logical, consistent argument for this particular issue, the issue of global logistics and how religion spreads in the, in the concept of anthropology as far as why we have so many different approaches to God. And it's, yeah, I think that's a pretty difficult issue. Um... And really quickly, the second issue that I think is one of the strongest is this double standard when it comes to how we uh, accept the stories in the Bible. So if you talk to a Christian and say, do you accept the concept of, of Muhammad getting these visions from an angel and being inspired to write the, uh, the religion of Islam, and they're like, no, of course not, you know, that's completely false, blah, 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 and, and he was inspired by, you know, you can, he hallucinated things, or evil spirits talked to him, I mean, they have multiple theories, but they will not accept the concept of Muhammad getting a vision and, and writing it by inspiration from a deity, yet they will also say uh, the apostle 
Paul or John or any of these getting a vision from Jesus is perfectly legitimate. Like, there's a double standard there where you don't accept one person's wild story, but you'll accept your wild story. And there's there needs to be a consistency in how the evidence is dealt with if, if you want to have a shred of credibility with a skeptic. So when Joseph Smith gets the vision from an angel to go dig up some golden plates and he translates those into the Book of Mormon, you know, that's, that's equally as in just ridiculous as a story about um, Saul being struck down by a vision of light on the road to Damascus. The same, the same principle applies where you have one person allegedly having this vision, no one else is corroborating it. One person writes the story, but we don't have multiple independent accounts corroborating it. And all we're asking for is just a little bit of consistency. If you have a standard of evidence and you say we reject the stories of Mormonism or Islam or Hinduism based on this criteria, then we have to use the same criteria to judge Christianity and say, yeah, there's no reason to believe these stories when we don't have any way of, of really corroborating them. So we have no independent historical accounts of the events in the Bible outside of the people in the Bible that wrote these stories. So AD 45 to 60, you know, the Gospel of Mark is being written. Great. That's that's it. That's all we've got. You know, Matthew and Luke came another decade later at least. John came AD 90 is the closest estimate. And so we're left with this concept of would you believe this story if it was written by someone who wasn't allegedly a disciple? Would you accept a completely different story that's equally disbelievable, or I'm sorry, not disbelievable, that's equally unbelievable as as the events we, we read about and some of these miracles of turning water into wine and walking on water and, you know, it, it's it's very thin. There's not enough reason to buy those stories and accept them as written without some greater form of evidence. And the common the common argument that is offered in response to that is, well, you don't have any reason to believe that uh, Julius Caesar existed because all we have are books written of him, blah, blah, blah. You know, and they're making this smart aleck remark, but that's, that's not an equal comparison at all. There's nothing crazy about a Roman emperor existing and making the proclamations he did and, and doing the things he did. They were completely normal human history. So we, we have no reason to not accept those because here's the deal. You have to have different standards of evidence based on the drastic nature of the claim. If someone says, hey, I've got 50 bucks in my wallet, sure, of course you'll believe them. Like, you have no reason not to believe them, and you have nothing to lose by believing them. If they say, I've got 50 million bucks stacked in a, on a pallet in my bedroom in C-notes, you have to kind of have this skepticism and say, 
I want to see a picture. I want to go to your house and, and, and see the stack of money because it's a completely different comparison. It's one is believable, one is not. It's a simple concept, and yet for some reason we throw credibility out the window just because it's in the Bible. And that really has to stop <laughs> because it really hurts your credibility when you when you believe these stories based on just the fact that they're written in this book. We can go into greater detail on both of those arguments, but I think those are the most crucial points when it comes to rejecting uh, the Bible and Christianity in general. And so I just wanted to share that with you guys and hopefully that inspires you to think about that, to research that. I highly recommend that you check out um, the Reddit ex-Pentecostalisms group, as well as the Reddit ex-Christianity group. There's some great discussions and arguments that take place there, as well as debate religion and debate Christianity. Those are all great subreddits. And be sure to check out uh, my YouTube channel. I'm going to try and put up some new stuff um, soon. I just have to take the time to sit down and, and record it. But thanks as always for listening. You're a great audience. And we will see you down the road. Oh, you can say it better than that. Say it again. All right, listen to the question now. Can-